Welcome to Radio 5G, where we sort fact from fiction, conspiracy from falsehood, reality from the unknown. And by doing so, we change the collective consciousness of humanity. A production of CosmicReality.com Welcome to Radio 5G's Other Voices, a pre-recorded show airing on April 26, 2023. The show has the Kate Daily Show on 5G and its connection to flu outbreaks, the Worldview Reports from April 23 with Brandon Howes, and Ricardo Bossi of Australia One Party with S. Gianon and Guru Dave on the State of World Affairs dated April 18th. Thank you for listening and hopefully finding the information informative and uplifting. Be safe, be blessed, and be all you can be. The time is here to stand in our own unique selves and make the changes to create a new reality. Appreciate you all. Thank you. The Kate Daly Show starts now. have you listen to you and uh we uh, well today's wednesday so i have melissa i have susan it's going to be a fantastic show and melissa has a lot on the docket to talk about uh melissa how are you melissa smith i am so good excellent and spring has finally sprung i think last week it was tornadoes here yeah that's how we know it's spring in the midwest I, I'm today in the... it's like sunny and beautiful i'm oh, in the man. i'm in the desert and we went from hailstorm um a week a week ago to summer <laughs> we skipped over spring so anyway it's bizarre weather going on all across the united states i wonder if people notice that wink wink anyways lots of weird weather um but uh but man you have a lot to talk about today there's so much uh we want to cover New ideas. This is this is the thought that I've been thinking about, and I've been thinking about this for a while. All right, that it's kind of a miracle that any of Mm -hmm. us are standing on our feet at all. (laughs) And I I mean that, like, yeah, yeah, in the health sense. Well, see how many we can think of. If you if you look at it, and and I and I stand by this claim: the Nazi eugenics program never ended. They just moved it over to the United States along with its scientists. So we got the Nazi eugenics program. The reason they did it on the Jews over there, there were 300,000 Jews living in um, Germany. The reason that they did it over there was so that they could use them as the guinea pigs. But the Nazi eugenics program never ended. So now we sit here with ill health. Lots of cancer, lots of stuff going on. We're going to talk about all that because when you say you just made that comment, you know, how are we all standing? I'm wondering how we're all standing still. You know, yeah. I think truly, I think it's it's like a blessing of God. Our bodies are so more, so much more amazing. Yes, God, God did because great we work. Are still <laughs> yeah, yeah. He did. because I, I was just like, okay, we're we're up against vaccines. Mm-hmm. We're up against adulterated and GMO'd food everywhere. Mm-hmm. We're up against like polluted water. We're up against whatever they're spraying in the atmosphere to stop global warming. Mm-hmm. We're up, and and so on my list, you're, you're going to be really surprised. The last thing on my list is we're up against electricity, hmm. right? Yeah. So we don't. This is one of those things that we don't hear anybody. Doctors don't talk about this when you go get a diagnosis and they say, "Oh, we're sorry, Mrs. Smith, you have breast cancer," mm-hmm. and we believe that the cause of this was your exposure to electromagnetic fields because of the cell tower you live three blocks away from. Yeah, nobody says that. I know. 
But no, you're right. You're going to make some great points in this hour. I sure hope people listen up. What you're um, going to touch on, too, is what Dr. Lee Merritt said that she she visited my fourth hour, my special fourth hour group. They got a special visit just with her. And um, uh, let me just she blew minds because she was just she was talking about the disinfo that we're getting and our beliefs in in what is really taking us down and it was it was shocking but it's right along the same lines of what you're saying there's more about that tower there's more about electricity there's more about wavelengths than people realize so this is well so much good information if if i could recommend a book Uh um the invisible rainbow a history of electricity and life by arthur furstenberg is an amazing and like mind-blowing book i read a lot and it's not often that i'm like oh my gosh my head is exploding right right it's my head was either exploding exploding because the content is so great or because i live three blocks away from a cell tower and i'm not really sure which way that goes and basically all of us do all of us do now go look around those monstrosities are everywhere the 5g tower and coming on 6g they're everywhere well, 1889 is like the pivotal year. Mm-hmm. There was there were electrical things before 1889, but mm-hmm. 1889 seems to be the year, the very year that electricity was now going to be part of the modern world. And we have never looked back. And there's all kinds of pointers There's reasons we should have taken the clues. And I never knew this either. This is amazing that all of those early people that were working with electricity, Mm -hmm. all of them had pretty significant and serious illnesses, injuries that you can associate with their work with electricity or not. Mm -hmm. Marconi, the guy who developed the first wireless radio, Mm -hmm. you know, Marconi sets across the Atlantic, all that stuff. He had 10 heart attacks. Jeez. And the last one, his 10th heart attack killed him at age 63. Hmm. And he was living right underneath the, the antennas. And they're not, it's not just like an old, like, you know, I think about, oh, you know, my, our house used to have that little antenna that stuck up mm-hmm. over the house sure. to get the TV, right? right? No, he had this huge, it was like three miles, gigantic wired antenna. And he brought his pregnant wife to live in a little house right by the antenna field she had a miscarriage and then she died wow so let's let's not leave it there though yeah thomas edison developed diabetes Mm -hmm. that was untreatable Mm -hmm. alexander graham bell for most of his life suffered severe headaches insomnia chest pain irregular heartbeat and abnormal light sensitivity and in 1915 he developed diabetes jeez and if you look at the list of what what does elect what do electrical fields do to our body mm-hmm. it's a it's it's the who's who of everything that we all complain about yeah it is it is anxiety headaches chest pain shortness mm-hmm. of breath mm-hmm. cancer diabetes adhd autism what <laughs> of those things and what of those things don't we suffer from? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And it it really, my husband has 
frequent headaches. And I'm always like, I, do I think we need to start looking around mm-hmm. at where we have our Wi-Fi located in our house. Yeah. yeah and where, it, you know, how much damage is it doing to our bodies? Arthur Furstenberg wrote a really interesting article, and this is pretty old now, but I think it doesn't matter that it's old. Nobody's mm-hmm. ever paid attention to it. Mm-hmm. He calls electricity the largest biological experiment ever in the history of of who we are. Jeez. And he, he says there's two kinds of people right now in the world. He mm-hmm. says there's the people who are concerned about this. Well, there's probably three kinds of people. There's people who just don't care and they're mm-hmm. just oblivious to it all. Um, that's every teenager with a cell phone stuck up to their ear. Right. And <laughs> or adults. There's, there's the people who right. are concerned about it and they want to know how to shield themselves from it. Mm-hmm. And then there's the people who are already sick from it. And mm-hmm. it's not the same groups of people. Everybody doesn't get sick in the same ways from electrical fields. Well, do you remember um, we did a lot of reporting on this in the beginning of uh, covid I hate even saying that. We, I just call it blovid because I just think it just blows, but whatever. <laughs> blovid, um, and the beginning of 2020. And where did they, where did they say the first people were affected on cruise ships? What were those cruise ships implementing right before they sailed the new 5G? 5G. And it was making the whole boat sick. And so it was, it was so curious to me. And we pointed this out over and over again. And then of course, COVID took over and we just, we didn't talk about it a whole lot, but it was the cruise lines. Because if you look up the cruise lines that were involved, the ones that they made stay out, you know, forever and quarantine and everything, they were the ones that put 5G on the cruise ship. What were they doing here in the United States while we were all on lockdown? Hmm. They were implementing 5G. Yeah. Everywhere. Yep. And don't forget, when we locked up the country down, there were not very many cases here mm-hmm. of COVID. Yeah. But there, the the more they locked us down, the more cases there were. Mm-hmm. And I, I got to tell you this story. This is one of my favorite stories from the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Civil War surgeons, um, when they ran out of surgical silk to sew people up with, they had adopted cutting the tails off their horses and using horsehair to sew people up with. And it caused the Union Army doctors, they they noticed that the guys that were sewn up with horsehair healed better uh-huh. than the guys with the the regular surgical silk. And they, they it, this launched a whole experimental thing about what is the curative property of horsehair without them ever really realizing that the curative property was that they actually boiled their horsehair before they used it. They had to clean it first. Interesting. And that meant that the horsehair they were using was relatively sterile compared to surgical silk. Hmm. They missed what the real causative factor was because they were looking in the wrong place. Right. And I wonder whether we don't do that with COVID or with many diseases. We think we understand what the mechanism is, mm-hmm. but we really don't. It's like we're looking at the horsehair when we should have been looking at the process. And so I think electrical fields fit exactly into that um, that model that right. if we're looking at the horsehair, we're looking at the wrong thing. If we're looking just at the virus, we're looking at the wrong thing. What causes the virus well, to make us sick? Well, so Dr. Merritt was saying, you know, I've had a total change of heart in, in the mRNA. And the people that I trust the least that people think are whistleblowers and whistleblowers out there um, are touting mRNA. And they're, now they're saying mRNA in food. 
Well, there's two things about that. Number one, she says the spike proteins and mRNA, she goes, I don't buy it. I think it's I think it's wavelengths. I think that's why at that concert they were able to take a whole concert of people at the Travis Scott concert and just put them down. Right. Because they Boom. were. Yeah, they were able to do that. Yeah. So yeah. I loved her observation Absolutely. on that. That's true. And um, I think the mRNA and meat thing is it could be disinformation too to get us to fear buying meat just the fear alone of what's in it right so i think there's some campaigns and disinformation that are going on right now that we need to recognize but we need to be very open to the fact that this might not be mrna because we've been told some some fallacies by disinformation people when we come back from Mm -hmm. our break we need to we need to talk about influenza because there's some really interesting things about influenza and electrical fields that we need to talk about yeah like uh, Merritt was saying she goes you know people think that somebody coughs on a plane and you get sick from the cough on a plane she goes that's not true you get sick you're up in this thing (laughs) you're surrounded by all of these electronics you're tired you probably didn't sleep you went through an airport you're staying up late with friends you get home your immune system's down she goes it's not from the cough on the plane everybody goes oh i was somebody on the plane must have been sick no 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 um but she said flying in and of itself she said what are we doing to our bodies and ourselves she's right though there's so much that she brought up well, we'll ask the question, is influenza contagious when we get back? Ooh, ooh, I love this one. I love this one because uh, who was it that said it was contagious? Um, the, uh, um, the Rockefeller, Simon Flexner, that works for the Rockefellers, no. made that claim. And so I can't wait to see what you and have on that. We always know they tell yeah. us the truth about oh, everything. Oh, yeah. Right? The, yeah. He, he came mm-hmm. out with the contagion, and uh, that was really interesting because we've done some stuff on this. But, yeah, he came out and said contagion in 1905 and 1906. Welcome back, Electric Avenue. Welcome back to the show. I've got Melissa on from Indiana. She joins me every Wednesday and has for years and brings her research to the show. And let me just tell you, she's got a lot of it, so we'll get there. I just wanted to mention my pillow make sure you get over to my pillow and grab those slippers um the slip-on ones are incredible they have the shoe ones too they're just amazing and right now they're 80 percent off blitz is happening and they have a lot of closeout stuff you can get stuff pennies on the dollar go to mypillow.com and put in the code kate and uh, you'll get that uh, up to 80 percent off it's amazing what they're doing it's an 80 percent off blitz closeout so take advantage of these things for gifts for yourself uh, for everybody in your family mother's day father's Days coming up, graduation gifts, moving into new apartment gifts, all kinds of gifts, wedding gifts. Uh, they're wonderful. MyPillow.com. Okay, Melissa, let's let's okay. chat, shall we? Well, let's talk a little bit about influenza. Okay. And while we're at it, we'll talk a little bit about electricity and the history of that as well. Okay. So anciently, influenza was, shall we call it a wild disease? Mm-hmm. It, it could come any time of the year. Mm-hmm. It was not seasonal. Mm-hmm. It just came and went. And some people were sick, but the ancients never thought that it was contagious. They always said that it was connected to the stars, which is very interesting, because I'll tell you why in just a minute. Okay. <clears throat> but anyway, there there were periodically outbreaks of influenza in different locations, but they didn't have these big pandemics that swept the whole world. It was not the Black Death. Mm-hmm. And so... In, let's see, 1844 is when the United States first began to electrify with telegraph lines. Okay. Um, By 1860, they had underground cables. Through the Civil War, almost every Civil War soldier was impacted by 
telegraph cables. Hmm. By 1869, just right after the Civil War, the first doctors in the United States were reporting a brand new disease that no one had ever seen before that they called neurasthenia. Mm -hmm. And it was notorious among those who had served in the Civil War. Hmm. The first, I told you, um, the first... 1899, 1889, excuse me, is considered the beginning of the electrification age in America, where they were like putting everybody's house was getting electricity. Yep, everybody. Mm -hmm. Everybody. So in 1889 is the same year that flu becomes a yearly thing, a seasonal thing. And what the ancients saw. And even people in the 18th and 19th centuries saw about influenza was that it was related to sunspot activities. Isn't that interesting? Okay, that's weird. So 1889, it became seasonal flu the minute we started electrifying our homes and yeah. our spaces. Interesting. Wow. So what did what did the ancients observe? The, mm-hmm. And uh, there were there were doctors who actually tracked this mm-hmm. that sunspot cycles correlated with outbreaks of influenza mm-hmm. and they believe that 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 sunspot cycles it's disruption in the electromagnetic field of the earth that's why is influenza really a contagious disease or is it an electrical disease well everyone out there in the audience should ask themselves this how many times over your lifetime has somebody in your household gotten sick but you didn't Lots. It just a happened lot. in my household this a last lot. week. Yeah, a yeah. lot. Yeah. Happens all the time. So that means it's not contagious. Because <laughs> if it was, we'd all be sick all the time. However, I will say, sometimes people and families may share the same vulnerabilities biologically. Immune system. That, yeah. that if one person gets sick, the same vulnerability in them may cause their children to be sick or mm-hmm. somebody else in the household to be sick because they're related to each other. Could be. Yet again, Could it's be. the horse hair problem. We, we're we're going to go to a break. We're going to come right back. We have a longer segment coming up. We're going to be right back. We have a lot to cover. Isn't that fascinating about 1889? We electrify our homes. All of a sudden, we're seasonal flu victims. Weird. Be right back. Kate Daly Show. More with Melissa Smith. Welcome back to the Kate Daly Show. And you can check out the Alex Jones Show I hosted earlier before my show um, at band.video. You can go there and do that. Also, balanceofnature.com. I'm telling you. Please restore your health so you can fight this better. So you can fight even the things that Melissa's bringing up. I'm not kidding you. When you have good health, your body, God did an amazing job in building our immune systems. And it's on the inside of our body. I know we forgot that the last three years, but it is on the inside. And our balance of nature, the balance of nature products are amazing. My family loves them. My kids are addicted to them. I am too. And it does the job. It does the job. 31 fruits and vegetables. What are you waiting for? (laughs) Just pull the trigger and try it. You don't like it, send it back, but pull the trigger and try it. 31 fruits and vegetables capsulized going into your system every single day. I love this product. It's so clean and it's amazing. I have um, Melissa Smith on with me and we're discussing the invisible rainbow. This is a book everybody should read. This is like Dr. Mary's monkey and the, um, um, uh, geez, um, Don's book, um, the president makers. I mean, three books that are, are must-reads. This this explains yeah. a lot in history. Yeah, it really, Time really does. and everything. So I've been in, interested in the Spanish flu mm-hmm. epidemic mm-hmm. for a long time. Mm-hmm. And what's fascinating about the Spanish flu, and, and we talked about this, you know, was it a tainted vaccine that got out or was it something else? And 
And I don't know, the jury's still out on that. But I will tell you that there was a there's been a correlation associated with influenza epidemics and animals. Like mm-hmm. if you can assume that if it's if it's coming from like sunspot or electromagnetic uh, from the earth, that animals would be impacted by it too. And they are. Hmm. In 1918, I bet we've never heard this before, just before the Spanish flu broke out in the in the U.S., it started here in the United States in 1918, mm-hmm. but there was a global problem with animals just within like the six months before the first human case was identified. In Africa, it was monkeys and b- baboons that were dying. In England, it was sheep that were dying from a mysterious cause. Nobody could pinpoint it. In in France, it was horses. In moose, it was Canada. They even had buffalo dying in Yellowstone. Wow. And it kind of points the way towards what was happening globally at the same time. The military was using radar and radio frequencies it was radio frequency in world war one in world war two it was radar frequencies but radio frequencies anywhere on the globe impact everywhere else on the globe really okay wow that's kind of amazing to think about Mm -hmm. and it's in places that were like, there's a case study about the country of Bhutan, which was the last country in the world to electrify. Mm -hmm. And when they finally decided, you know, we need to join the 20th century Mm -hmm. in like the 1970s, their incidences of coronary heart disease, diabetes, and like high blood pressure shot through the roof. Okay. Wow. And the only (laughs) thing that was different, nothing changed in their diet. So all the things we hear about coronary artery disease, oh, it's because you have a bad diet. You're eating the wrong things. You're not Mm -hmm. exercising enough. Mm -hmm. The people in Bhutan did not change their diet at all. The only thing that changed internal to the country was they they electrified. Well, I guess this would explain the, the Amish. They only very, very little selective electricity on their part and have always been pretty healthy. They're pretty healthy, but the real issue here is that even the Amish, there is no place to escape this anymore. Mm -hmm. We are being pounded by electrical frequencies from satellites that are flying over over our head. We're being pounded by the 5G Mm -hmm. waves, people that have cell phones. And by the way, I live in Amish country, and... I'm telling you, some of the Amish got cell phones. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. That's a secret. I'm sure they do. Yeah. Don't tell anybody that. But let's let's take a minute and just talk about what does, especially cell phones, because they're so, like, everybody has a cell phone. Every single person has a cell phone, right? Yeah. So cell phones have microwave radiation associated with that. Alyssa, there's so much to cover, so I know it's going to be really hard (laughs) to concentrate on what you want to, because there's so much in this book to talk about. But go ahead. Well, uh, you know, we we just have a little bit left in the hour, and I, I, it's just some final thoughts to think about. Okay. The biggest difference between cell towers today and radio towers you know, from the 1950s or so is not that they've improved safety. The biggest difference between then and now is the number of them. Mm. 
there you know in the 50s there were not as many radio towers they they were there were a few they were around mm-hmm. some of them were big some of them were not but now the number of cell towers and wi-fi towers in the country there's hundreds of thousands of them and who benefits off illness pharma pharma profits office our entire life our entire life and then let's add this this is comes from furstenberg himself he Mm -hmm. says you need to understand there is no shield or headset that will protect you from cell phone radiation Mm-hmm. He says also, there is no safe distance from a cell tower. If your cell phone or your wireless computer works where you live, mm-hmm. you're being irradiated 24 hours a day. Wow. And our bodies were not ever designed to live in that kind of environment. Um, he says, he goes on to say that shielding your house is rarely effective. Mm-hmm. There's just... There's only a few doctors who are even aware of this kind of thing mm-hmm. um, to treat radio sickness. Maybe you have to go to Russia now. Uh, of course, you couldn't come back after you've been to Russia, but that's a different story. Um, but he says there's few places on Earth that are left. Yeah. In, in 1914, that, there were two deaths of cancer among 63,000 Native Americans, since we've been talking about that a lot on the show. Um, its reserves had uh, no um, electricity. And the rest of the country cancer mortality rate went 25 times higher. Why is that? That's crazy. Yeah. Those are questions we should Mm -hmm. be talking about. This should be the national conversation. This is way more important. And I want to, I want to think, you know, I'm thinking about this whole proposal for 15 minute cities where we're going to all be crammed into these little Mm -hmm. tiny spaces and they're going to electrify the heck out of us. Did they say anything about grounding? Um, I have not read that yet, People but I do know that that stuff. is a good thing to do for your health. Walk outside when the weather's nice, walk outside barefoot. Yeah. Yeah. Because it does Get help. Your feet in the that dirt. is, it's, it's good for our health mm-hmm. to do that. And I have looked at grounding before and that is a good thing. There are some people who, mm-hmm. and I don't know quite how this works. I'd love to know. They, they say that if you sleep, if you can ground yourself while you sleep, that's also beneficial. And I'm like, I'm not sure how to do that. Oh, I know I'm how to do that. They, out. they actually, there's a company that actually has grounding mats and you sleep on them. Cause I know because, um, somebody I know sleeps with one anyway, uh, they, and they swear by it. They love it, but, uh, they just sleep on top of it. Um, so there's that, but you're right on the 15 minute cities going back to that too. They want us in those little electromagnetic fields. I mean, and they can keep us right there where you can't get, you can't get out of those cities. I mean, I actually think they do have the technology to do stuff to you when you try to leave. I do too. And and some of that, by the way, I just listened to a, a quick little video today about the Russians using an electromagnetic weapon in Ukraine right now. And I'm like, well, that makes perfect sense because they have understood the power of electromagnetic fields on people's bodies right. for a long time. So it's true. coming. Yeah, it's Figure coming. out how to ground yourself. This is a one. So um, the President Makers is a must read by Don Fotheringham. Uh, Dr. Mary's Monkey will take you into polio and shine a glaring light on the fraud perpetuated through all of that and the start of the vaccine program and then of course the invisible rainbow is another one i mean these are great books if you're looking for great books to pick up and 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 have this spring and summer these are good ones because these really i mean this one's just chock full isn't it 
It Jeez. is every every chapter, and I live yeah. with an electrical engineer, and I'm constantly reading like, "Hey, listen to this," because it's <laughs> so amazing. Well, I'll bet it is to him too with what he does for a living. So, I mean, yeah, for sure. But there are all kinds of studies, all kinds of things to prove the point, and so they're not just interjecting a theory here. They're saying, "Look, this is all based on on actual evidence of things that that happened when we implemented all through when we when we when we uh, we started having TVs in our home when we started having all of these things surrounded by all of these things. I remember our first microwave and I remember, oh my gosh, it was exciting. But what is it doing to our food too? What is it doing to us? There's lots of questions. I so appreciate you, Melissa. This was a great hour. In fact, I'd almost want you to do a part two. All right. So I got to finish the rest of the book. Let's do a part two on this. Yeah, let's do a part two on this. This is Worldview Report with host Brandon House. Whether it is news from the nation's capital or your state capital, from the classroom to the boardroom, from national security to national and local news that impacts you and your family, Worldview Report is your trusted source for vital and uncensored news. And now, here is Brandon House. Good evening, and welcome to the Worldview Report. After a secret police station tied to the Chinese government was shut down in New York City, a human rights group spoke out about other cities subverted by so-called service centers amid rising tensions with communist China. U.S. Attorney Brian Peace of the Eastern District of New York announced Monday that two U.S. citizens had been arrested and charged with conspiring to act as agents of the Chinese government by running an undeclared police station of the Chinese National Police in Manhattan. Now the Madrid-based group Safeguard Defenders has re-upped their warning that this behavior to crack down on Chinese dissidents abroad could be happening in at least six other cities across four other states. Speaking to the New York Post, A spokesperson said, quote, we found at least four listed in the U.S. by People's Republic of China public security authorities, plus flagged an additional four overseas Chinese service centers in the U.S. set up by the Unified Front Work Department, networks responsible for manning the stations, end quote. The UFWD is a department within the Chinese Communist Party that is tasked with working, quote, to co-opt and neutralize sources of potential opposition to the policies and authority, end quote, of the CCP. That's according to the U.S.-China Economic and Security Review Commission. These so-called overseas service centers, well, they were said to be located in Houston, Texas, Los Angeles, and San Francisco, California, along with cities including Minnesota, cities in Minnesota and Nebraska, and a second in New York City. In September, Safeguard Defenders produced a report detailing the global spread of Chinese operatives working to maintain CCP's stronghold of control. They wrote, quote, 110 overseas Chinese transnational policing gone wild traces The origins of the campaign conducted by 10 pilot provinces back to 2018. Official guidelines explicitly 
outlined the different tools made available to so-called persuade the targets to voluntarily return to China to face charges. These include targeting the purported suspects' children in China, denying them the right to educations, as well as targeting family members and relatives in a similar fashion. In short, a full-on guilt-by-association punishment to so-called encourage suspects to return from abroad, end quote. Who knows how many more of these Chinese police stations remain in operation, hidden from public view across America. An alleged Chinese Communist Party operative arrested by the FBI on Monday was pictured meeting with several prominent New York Democrats at lavish dinners and campaign events. That's what a Daily Caller News Foundation investigation found. Liu Xiaowang, whom the FBI arrested Monday for conspiring to act as an agent of Communist China, is pictured with New York City Mayor Eric Adams and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and even attended an apparent fundraiser for New York Democratic Representative Grace Ming. That's according to multiple Chinese-language news reports and photographic evidence. Liu allegedly operated an overseas police station on behalf of the Chinese government. The FBI charged Liu with, quote, obstructing justice by destroying evidence of his communications with a Ministry of Public Security official, end quote. Just months, the FBI raided the office of America Changely Association the nonprofit at which Liu previously served as chairman sometime in fall of 2022. Multiple photos taken at events in New York City reveal that Liu met with Ming, Adams, and Schumer during events in 2022 and 2023. The Daily Caller identified Liu, who served as America Changely Association's chairman between 2012 and 2018 by matching his photo found on an archived version of American Changely Association's website with photos from events with Ming, Adams, and Schumer. On April 24, 2022, Liu took part in a fundraiser held in Flushing, New York for Representative Ming's congressional campaign. That's according to photos posted on careerengine.us, which is a Chinese-language news website. Campaign finance records confirm that Ming's campaign committee, Grace for New York, held an event at the Crown One restaurant that day. And photos of the restaurant match the images on careerengine.us. In other news, why are thousands of Chinese men of military age suddenly crossing into America illegally through the southern border? The U.S. Border Patrol is about to apprehend some of them, but thanks to the Biden regime, well, once again, they are processed. Most of them are given, quote, notices to appear, end quote, and are often then freely released into our communities, never to be heard from again. In some cases, these men are paying human smugglers as much as $35,000 to get them into Texas. So either... Those men are independently wealthy or someone else is providing that money. Unfortunately, most Americans don't even realize that this is happening because the mainstream corporate media is not reporting on it. U.S. officials told a local Fox affiliate in Texas they are, quote, 
seeing a 900% surge, end quote, in encounters with Chinese nationals at our southern border, especially in the Rio Grande sector. Take a look. Well, continuing with our border coverage, agents seeing a significant increase in migrants that have made the difficult and costly journey here to the U.S. all the way from China. Correspondent Jorge Ventura is live in Hidalgo, Texas. Jorge, what are we learning? Hey, Nicole, I'm in the Rio Grande Valley in South Texas. And in this sector alone, Border Patrol right now is apprehending Chinese nationals at record numbers. Now, compared to last year, they're already seeing a 900% spike in Chinese national apprehensions. The reason why that's so significant is because Chinese nationals are a viable commodity to the cartels. They're willing to pay up to $35,000 to be smuggled into the U.S., and it's creating a unique challenge for U.S. Border Patrol. Behind the wall on the U.S.-Mexico border Are they uh, hugging the, the ditch area? Is the Texas Department of Public Safety Working in partnership with the Border Patrol to stem the flow of illegal migrants crossing into the U.S. We spend time with the Texas DPS brush teams to get a first-hand account of the issues they face every day. They're dealing with the uptick in Chinese nationals, especially in the Rio Grande Valley sector, which it's unusual. Before, we would never see this many Chinese nationals coming across this area here. The numbers back up Lieutenant Oliveras. In the first five months of the 2023 fiscal year, there have been 4,366 encounters with Chinese nationals at the southwest border, with 1,368 in the month of February alone. It's a very lucrative uh, business for the smuggling organizations, especially dealing with Chinese nationals, where they're having to pay anywhere from $35,000 up. We saw the firsthand number of Chinese migrants making the journey. Did you just arrive here in the United States? Communicating through a translator app. Yeah, 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 yeah. Today. Zane Caillou is one of those individuals. He fled China because of the strict COVID-19 policies, sharing the video of what he had experienced before fleeing the country. His journey to the United States began in Ecuador. Ecuador, Panama. From there, Zhang made his way to Neocoli, Colombia, where smugglers coordinated his travel on the boats to Panama and passed through the Darien Gap. Zhang was issued a temporary visa in Mexico before finishing his journey over the wall and into the U.S. Why did you decide to come to America? Yearning for American freedom. And Nicole, we've been in communication with Zhang. He was actually released last night by Border Patrol officials, and he's actually on a bus on the way to New York with a notice to appear. It's a pretty significant because a lot of these Chinese nationals are actually flying into Ecuador. Ecuador is one of the few countries that doesn't require a travel visa for Chinese nationals. And from there, they'll begin the, da- the very dangerous and long journey uh, to the U.S. And it's really creating this unique challenge for U.S. Border Patrol with the, with the language barrier. It's, ex- it's extending the processing times. But this sector now is leading all border sectors in Chinese national apprehensions and border patrol tells me they expect those numbers to continue to rise yeah a 900 percent increase that is extremely significant thank you jorge thank you for watching go to newsnationnow.com to find news nation on your television provider and don't forget to click the red subscribe button below to get more of news nation's fact-driven unbiased coverage we've had similar reports from todd binsman who is a regular featured guest and expert on my show brandon house live Speaking of Todd Binsman, he has a new article out at the New York Post. Binsman just returned from another trip to the U.S. southern border with Mexico and filed this report with the Post. He says Title 42 was a potent deterrent 
when former President Donald Trump applied it to almost 90% of all illegal crossing immigrants, but far less so under the current president who expelled only 35% under Title 42. Now, Title 42 is set to expire on May 11th. And Benzman is warning that the consequences, well, they will be dire. Quote, I predict big trouble is on the way to the southern border from which I've just returned. In Juarez, thousands of immigrants are living in abandoned buildings, sleeping on the streets, and many hundreds more a day show up on freight trains. A human tidal wave is building all over Mexico and farther south. Biden administration officials claim they have a plan. Don't believe them, end quote. When Title 42 is in place, Trump and Biden, the latter to a far lesser degree, could quickly expel border jumpers back into Mexico or beyond and, critically, deny them access to the U.S. asylum system. Cutting off access to this system was a serious deterrent. Immigrants stayed home when Trump held Title 42, but came in historic droves when Biden opened a wide appenditure of exemptions from it. The new Biden plan's replacement will prove entirely useless. This is the same one always provided by the Immigration and Naturalization Act, known as Title VIII Expedited Removal. Biden's top people talk really tough about how they're going to use Title VIII. In their public pronouncements and regulations, administration officials vow every immigrant who crosses that border will be subject to Title VIII's expedited removal provision. Unlike Title 42, however, Title 8 has a host of surefire loopholes and dodges that all but guarantee escape from expedited removal and admission into America. The first and easiest way to avoid Title 8 removal is for the migrant to merely declare an intent to claim asylum on the grounds they were persecuted in their home country. Tough talk for domestic political consumption has it that Biden's government will presume that no immigrant is eligible for asylum and quickly deport them. But in reality, they will open the floodgates even wider than they already are. Bisman writes, adding, quote, expect the unmitigated flood of unaccompanied minors that began when Biden exempted this group from Title 42 expulsions on day one. A historic 350,000 to 400,000 since the inauguration to ramp up even more, end quote. Welcome back. A member of Congress has made the stunning allegation that some of the Biden family's income was from, quote, prostitution rings, end quote. The comment comes from Representative Nancy Mace, Republican of South Carolina. Take a look. Just left the Treasury to review over a hundred suspicious activity reports on the Biden family. And I have to tell you, there are more Bidens involved than, than we knew previously. And every time you unturn, overturn, or look under a stone, there's so much more you have to investigate because it's wild the number of family members involved. And it's even the amount of money that we're talking about in these suspicious activity reports is astronomical. And the accusations therein, the source of the funding, where the where the money's going, the shell companies, prostitution.
prostitution rings, etc. It's insanity to me that it's not been investigated in the way that it should be. According to the New York Post, dozens of, quote, suspicious activity reports, end quote, were submitted to the government over the years from mostly banks suggesting there was something to investigate amid actions, quote, by members of the Biden family, end quote. New bombshells were predicted. The reports, well, they have been suppressed. But now, with a GOP majority in the House and the House Oversight Committee chairman being James Comer, well, there's access now. And the Treasury finally agreed that they could no longer hide these documents. Analysts expect that the records will detail a money trail connecting President Biden and his family to business deals with those in Ukraine and Russia and China and more. Already reports have confirmed that at least three members of the Biden family benefited from a $3 million payment that came from China. The congressional work appears to be focusing on access peddling by members of the Biden family. And Joe was vice president and then president. One member of Congress noted regarding the Bidens, quote, they don't manufacture anything. They don't sell anything. They don't own any real estate. We don't know what the business is. My theory is it's influence peddling. And if so, that's wrong, end quote. The New York Post said, quote, six more members, end quote, of the Klan, quote, may have benefited from the family's various business schemes, which are centered on Joe Biden's political connections. Comer said that that would bring to nine the number of family members involved in the Biden family business. He added that, quote, thousands of pages of financial records related to the Biden family, their companies and associates business schemes were made available to members of the House Committee on Oversight and Accountability, which confirm the importance of this investigation, end quote. The Washington Free Beacon reports that Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey issued an emergency rule last week that establishes extensive safeguards against transgender medical interventions to both adults and children. The emergency rule, citing dozens of scientific studies and reports, concluded that because gender transition interventions are experimental and pose, quote, significant side effects, end quote, state law requires, quote, substantial guardrails, end quote, around such procedures. Those guardrails, the rule states, include ensuring patients have undergone at least 15 hourly psychiatric assessment sessions over the course of 18 months, informing patients explicitly that the, quote, use of puberty blocker drugs or cross-sex hormones, in quote, to treat gender dysphoria, quote, is experimental and is not approved by the Food and Drug Administration, in quote, and requiring those who receive such treatments to get medical follow-ups for 15 years. In other words, full informed consent is required in the state of Missouri for these high-risk treatments. The act comes as Bailey continues his investigation into St. Louis Children's Hospital's transgender clinic. His office launched the investigation in February in response to a whistleblower's report of, quote, egregious abuse and potential malpractice, end quote, regarding minors at the hospital. 
While 11 other states prohibit pediatric transgender treatments, this is the first state rule addressing adult patients. In announcing the new rule, Bailey cited studies by the U.S. Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality and Sweden's National Board of Health and Welfare. He stated, quote, The regulation is necessary due to the skyrocketing number of gender transition interventions, despite rising concerns in the medical community that these interventions lack clinical evidence of safety or success, end quote. The Swedish board recently declared that the risk of these interventions, quote, currently outweigh the possible benefits, end quote. Russia is reportedly using ghost ships disguised as fishing vessels and research vessels off the UK coast to map out wind farms, gas pipelines, and internet communication cables for sabotage attacks in case it goes to war with the West. That's what a probe has claimed. The fleet of Russian ships are sailing through the North Sea to collect the data, according to a report in the Daily Mail. The vessels carry underwater surveillance to map out how the infrastructure is connected with the aim to plan attacks against the West. So claims a documentary aired by public broadcast in Denmark, Norway, Sweden, and Finland. In the case of an expanded war with the West, Russia plans to paralyze the power grid in Europe. That's what intelligence sources have warned. Counterintelligence chief Anders Herzken from the Danish Police Intelligence Service told Denmark's DR, quote, in the event of a conflict with the West, they are ready and know where to intervene if they want to paralyze the Danish society, end quote. Well, now it's time for our nightly worldview report commentary. If you want to know who the globalist deep state operatives are in Congress, well, just look at their record when it comes to voting for the funding of endless overseas wars and continuous funding increases for rogue U.S. intelligence agencies. Since at least the early 2000s, revelations from WikiLeaks, Edward Snowden, and others have shown it to be a proven fact that the federal law enforcement agencies like the FBI, along with the NSA and others that were supposed to focus on criminals and overseas threats, well, they've actually turned their focus inward and weaponized their vast resources against the American people. They have raided the homes of pro-life activists, threatened to prosecute conservative Catholics and mothers attending school board meetings, and the FBI even raided the Florida home of a former president. There's absolutely no excuse anymore for any Republican who claims to be about America first to continue voting for funding of the FBI, let alone increased funding. But that's exactly what Mitch McConnell the Senate GOP minority, is advocating. Connell called on Congress to beef up funding for federal law enforcement. In his first remarks related to the weaponization of the Justice Department following Trump's indictment last month, McConnell told NBC News that lawmakers, quote, ought to be looking for ways to spend more on law enforcement, end quote. He went on to say, quote, I think I can pretty safely say that I've not met any Republican in Congress who want to spend less on law enforcement, end quote. That's what he said. But notice, he didn't make the distinction between the mostly solid local law enforcement agencies 
and the federal agencies who have become Joe Biden's personal Gestapo. No. Instead, he tried to blur the lines. But no awake, patriotic American is going to be fooled any longer by this rhetorical gymnastics. Even Trump's competitors for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination slammed the indictment as a political witch hunt. McConnell, however, has remained silent on what they've done to President Trump with this indictment, so-called. If you're running for a seat in Congress, regardless of your party, it's time to wake up and take a stand against the weaponization of the federal agencies against political opponents. It doesn't matter. Republican or Democrat, we don't need to use the government and weaponize the agencies of the government against each other for political games. It's the great way to destroy freedom in America. Well, that does it for this edition of the Worldview Report. Thanks for tuning in and for supporting this viewer-supported broadcast. You can do it a couple ways. One is by going to wvwtvstore.com where you will find emergency freeze-dried food that tastes really good with a 25-year shelf life and emergency supplies, including we've just added in 3,000 bottles this week of potassium iodide. This is for a uh, an emergency related to any kind of radiological event. You know, the government has spent something like $29 million, according to one report I read, buying up such kind of, uh, you know, preparation um, pills, medicines, etc. Why is the federal government buying anti-radiation medicine? What if someone were to let off a nuclear weapon? Or even more plausible might be a dirty bomb. Well, I've had radiation, anti-radiation tablets for my fam family, these potassium tablets, for years, since right after 9-11. And apparently the American people want them because one vendor we called said, we can't even offer them to you to offer to your audience because we can't keep them in stock. But we were able to acquire now 3,000 bottles recently. You'll find them at wvwtvstore.com, wvwtvstore.com along with other emergency supplies there as well. You can also call 901-468-9357, 901-468-9357. Also, wvwtv.com store is one way you can support us. The other way is mypillow.com, mypillow.com. But you got to use that promo code B66. When you use that code, we get credit, you get savings. There's a big sale going on over there on sheets and slippers and so many great products. They make great gifts. Make great gifts for Mother's Day, Father's Day, graduation gifts, housewarming gifts, wedding gifts, mypillow.com. But please use the promo code B66 so we get credit so we can put it toward our general operating budget. As it takes a team of about seven of us, 15 man hours a day to put it all together. That's just this 30-minute show. About seven of us, 15 man hours a day to put it together. So we need to keep everybody paid, keep it going. We need your support. Finally, wvwfoundation.com. Our foundation exists to push out free programming as a ministry uh, where many people put it behind a paywall. We push it out. You go to my channel, wvwtv.com, wvwtv.com. You'll find a lot of shows free to watch on demand, including our foundation sponsors our Sunday night service where I literally open the Bible. We look at the issues of the day through the lens of the Bible, oftentimes through Bible prophecy. 
If you appreciate that, we appreciate your support so we can uh, pay the about $11,000 a month bill we have for pushing out free programming. That's just that one bill alone. WVWFoundation.com. You'll also find our mailing address there if you prefer to support us through the mail. You can also make a contribution over the phone, 901-468-9357. Thanks for watching. Until next time, I'm Brandon House. May God save... All right, good uh, good morning, people. Something we don't say very often, but how are you? Um, yeah, good special here this morning. Um, and let's bring the bring the gentleman in straight away, and uh, yeah, we'll get chatting. So, Ricardo, good morning. How are you, David? Good morning. How are you, mate? I hope you're well. Oh, very well, thank you. SG, how are you, sir? Blessed, my friend. Good to be back. <laughs> I think. Uh, yeah, I think we're all blessed, SG. Great to have you back, mate. And we were just talking pre-show there. Uh, yeah, we're all blessed to be uh, born at this time, um, SG. And it's really heating up now around the world. It's uh, we got a lot of stuff. How's the world stage looking, SG? You know, I think I think if we look at it, let's look at it by theater, right? Because every all of the pieces and components inform the whole, so that we have the continuity of government operation that's going on in multiple countries around the world, particularly the United States, because of the large size of the government. We've got that happening and kicking off and becoming a much more public thing, both in the United States and in, in uh, Western Europe. We have the situations going on in France with the revolution. Um, well, what's becoming a revolution, right? And how that's jostling the, uh, the power base that calls themselves the UN, the NATO, you know, that sort of Western world deep state alliance. That's going on. We have Russia uh, stepping up their campaign in Ukraine. They have now taken Bakhmut. Uh, we are headed east, excuse me, west in that campaign, and that is only going to continue. Russia will go all of the way to the Polish border uh, before this conflict is over. Within Bakhmut, they have already begun um, unearthing and category, excuse me, cataloging um, bioweapon research facilities, and they have found in Bakhmut in particular a pathogen that was being developed by USCIA DOD DARPA, all sort of the same nebulous uh, black hat entity, right? That was a that was an agrarian-based pathogen that could um, essentially poison the seedlings of our food supply. And so they were literally going to turn our crops into biological weapons that were then going to kill us all as, because we would have to eat, right? Um, so this is the sort of savagery that Putin has been dealing with for a long time, has known that this has been going on. Russian military intelligence has known for a long time that these activities have been going on in Europe. But because of the polarities of the world, they've really not been able to do anything about it without risking total annihilation of the Slavic people, which isn't that's not fair. And that's not something that Putin uh, would allow. Right. Putin may have somewhat of a checkered past, but he's a Russian for Russia in the same sense that Xi maybe having some associations that we in the West would not appreciate is very much a Chinese man for China um, and for the ancestral ruling rights of the Chinese people, not this uh, hegemony that stole power from them. So that's kicking off right now in Ukraine. We're going to have the Baltic states and Finland, which means we're going to have NATO involved in this conflict before it's over. And the mainstream media already knows that. They're already telling us that. They're telling us, all, they're telling us that Biden put troops over there in Ukraine. We have documents coming out showing that um, many Western nations have had coalition forces there undeclared. Um, so this would be regarded, if we were to look at it at an international level, this is sort of an act of war without declaring war, right? So it is worth highlighting that we should appreciate the fact that Putin has not targeted all of our capital cities, knowing that this has been going on, knowing that we're actively engaged in a hot conflict with their forces, um, and understanding that you know the mission is not 
um, annihilating the other country. The mission is annihilating the controllers who have spent the last 500 years annihilating our countries. Um, with the Pacific theater right now, we have China that is beginning their invasion of Taiwan. The island is blockaded by the Navy. There's an air restriction zone now that has been put in place, and we have Japanese and U.S. black hat military assets in the Pacific that are definitely taking notice of this, and the Philippines are going to be involved soon, as well as the Koreas. So we're really setting up this pseudo-World War scenario. But if we think about it from a long-term view, right, the first two World Wars were about what? They were about power and control. They were about redefining, restructuring, and shifting the geopolitical balances throughout the world. Who held the money? Who held the finance? Who held the business? Who held the military? Um, what was the seat of spiritual influence, right? All of this factored in to these first two world wars, which they used primarily to shift how the world works. Yes, mm -hmm. they killed a whole bunch of us in the process. That's just a bonus for these people. Um, it was really all about solidifying their matrix as they went forward through the 20th century. And we, of course, know that they were quite successful with that. So the world, this third world war scenario event that we're living is really sort of a dual reality. We have a reality for the history books that we're um, writing right now, and that's going to be this, this multi-angular conflict to drop these terrorists, right, these, uh, these controllers at all levels. But we also have the reality of the, inf of the operations going on in the special warfare situation that are eliminating bioterrorism, eliminating trafficking, eliminating weapons trafficking, and saving a whole host of hostages, uh, individuals that have been born into this underground dark system, and getting them out. And so we're going to see that pop off uh, here in the Pacific and in Europe very soon. So we're going to have another World War-style scenario presented. How far we get into that, I think, is anybody's game. It's anybody's mm -hmm. guess. But we have to acknowledge that Ukraine, the Baltic states, um, even, I think, portions of the far eastern areas of Finland will probably be returned to Russia before this is over. We're going to see uh, Taiwan reunited with China before this is over. Taiwan has always been a Chinese island. Um, except for the last hundred years, right? So we're we're restoring a lot of wrongs that have happened to gen to generations and to entire cultures throughout history, and we can't do so in a nice, neat, clean way because of the nature of this entrenchment. We have to take them to task. We have to pull them out by the roots, and we have to get kinetic with it. So all of this happening in the world at the same time that the U.S. continuity of government operation is entering yet another phase. We had confirmation of as much from the president here in the United States on the April 4th indictment. And then the truth social uh, profile that he puts out has been absolutely nothing but comms about um, different phases coming out with as it pertains to the election law cases here in the United States that are moving forward. Um, we have unity uh, coming across the public narrative now where even mainstream media reporters are reporting that Trump is the current president of the United States. Um, it's broken out into the public field now that we've got massive, massive electioneering going on in all levels. The Southern District mm -hmm. of New York is now highlighting how prosecutors rig elections both in the United States and around the world. It's on full display. These people can't hide anymore. And on top of that, just today um, or yesterday, we had a drop come out on Twitter where the CIA has now been officially implicated in, in court documents from the Guantanamo Military Commission as being partially responsible for the U.S. terror attacks of 9-11-2001. We could not be living a more exciting time. Wow. Go, Rick. I'll let you go. What an intro, SG. You've just given me more intel than I've had in the last friggin' week, mate. I've been that busy with court and bloody playing this clown world game. But, uh, <laughs> mate, that was, yeah, you just lit my world up. Yeah, Rick, go for it. 
Yeah, thanks, SG. Uh, an excellent summary. And as Dave says, a lot that uh, we're not getting access to here, particularly we don't get Truth Social, unfortunately. But thank you for that. It uh, And it's a good sign and a set of markers for the Australians to realise because we are <laughs> we're, we're kept uh, in the dark and fed on uh, manure, let's say. But it's a good set of markers for the Australians to realise that this is accelerating at a pace now. The... Uh, the, uh, the CIA implication in 9-11, for example, big time, it's coming out on MSN, which is fantastic. And even small things that start to, to penetrate, for example, you would have seen the Dalai Lama asking that young Tibetan boy to suck his tongue, and then all the excuses were made about what that actually meant. The fact that this guy's involved in that sort of activity doesn't surprise any of us who are across this. But what is, uh, again, what's important, the takeaway, is that it was on mainstream media. Now, this would never have got up before. So, again, marker after marker after marker is coming out to indicate that this is moving quicker than you thought. Yes, we told you to start stocking up in food, water and silver and and, um, and other, other survival requirements a couple of years back. But the, the good news is that you've been feeling secure because you've got yourself squared away. Now it's, uh, now it's getting serious. We're getting to that point in time. And so thank you for that. The United States, a lot of, the, of, of Americans here, uh, great, proud, strong people, right? But they don't really understand just how much suffering, just how much carnage the United States dollar and the United States military has reaped onto the world. And so there is a symbolic restoration of justice here that has to occur everywhere. And so, you know, here in the United States, we have a very pinched um, society right now. We have um, record levels of homelessness and, un- and unemployment. We're being literally invaded at our southern border. Um, our supply chains and critical critical infrastructure are under open attack, a lot like other nations out there. You know, Australia is just one of them, right? Another another example of that. But Americans are learning in particular that this is a multi-angular problem that we were primarily the cause of, and we had no idea, and we funded it, and we made it completely possible. So you know, regarding the playbook and how things are playing out right now, I think my final comment on that is if we know the playbook, we can prevent these sorts of things from happening again, which gives us an, a level of accountability, not only um, not only to ourselves, but to one another as we the people so that we can build a world going forward. We are building trust right now. Um, the people of Libya right now, they, they're probably celebrating the death of the U.S. dollar. Um, I'm certain that that is happening in other areas of the world, right? And it needs to. We all have, there has to be a a blank slate. Everything needs to be wiped clean and we have to have trust again. And we cannot do that unless we go through it this way. Well, it's interesting that you bring up the C-19 case out of France because one of the things I wanted to highlight today and one of the things I'm going to get into a little bit on the next file is the fact that these people, the, the desperation is palatable at this point. We have the Department of Health and Human Services here in the United States, one of the largest agencies in the United States government, and one of the most far-reaching under the auspices of public health, um, that is now seeking to extend all liability protections to all vaccine manufacturers, distributors, logistical chains, storefronts, administrators, um, and, and those who administer the shots, as well as the pharmacies, the hospitals, the doctor's offices, etc., where this has happened. In other words, we know... And they know that we know that what they have done to us is criminally wrong and that we're going to hold them accountable. And it's going to go above and beyond merely simple civilian law. We have a crime that is too massive and too large, yes, and too transnational, meaning all around the world at the same time. No single civilian justice system in any nation state can 
possibly bring the beast down on its own. So the chip away with things in France, the chip away with things over here, even though they're even though on from our end it looks really terrible, right? Because they're protecting um, those who do the bidding. They're protecting the elected class. They're protecting big farm. Um, even though it looks from our end that this is that we're losing this battle, we're not. They would not be taking these steps. They would not be adjudicating these cases. They would not be worried about what's coming down the pike with responsibility and with liability and with how this is all going to be handled unless there was genuine cause for concern in the deep state black hat apparatus. In other words, they're afraid. And I think this is a very good example of how they're sort of tying their own net because they're desperate, right? That doesn't even include the fact that some of these uh, court systems in different areas, although I don't believe the French is one of them, but it's some of these court systems in different areas are operating at the behest of an overall military operation. And so we have some cases that are being stonewalled, some cases that are being saved, some cases that are being seen privately, the evidence is being shown out, and all of that's sort of going to tie together, I believe, at the culmination of what we've got going on now, which is with this World War III style event. If we look at how World War II occurred, the Holocaust began well before the war. Um, and as a matter of fact, it was well underway before the war happened. And then the war occurred. Things pretty much remained the same. Uh, they stuck to their guns. They stuck to the agenda. They stuck to the things that they were pushing for, right? And remember, it's worth highlighting that we're fighting the same Nazis. We're fighting um, literally in, in Germany, for example. We're fighting Hitler's daughter. Um, so it's worth noting that they're the same Nazis that we're dealing with. And, um, and in the same fashion, we've had a worldwide Holocaust really launched on We the People. It began before the war. We have a wartime situation publicly that is really starting to kick off now. And as we have the tribunals... Um, post this scenario, I think we're going to have clarity the likes of which has never been seen in this world, and the COVID-19 crime will take front and center stage. Um, you know, in regards to where we're going with this and the timetables and things like that, I think that it's worth highlighting that we've already been in this military timetable for a while. Um, and as we go forward here, I think we're going to get much more public and much more overt with it. And I don't think that's going to take years or even to the end of the year. I think we're looking at months. Um, because of how things are heating up rapidly and what's going on with the Taiwan invasion. That's, that's going to be a shock and awe campaign, not a war of attrition. We're going to see a different strategy applied here because the operational conditions dictate a new strategy is needed. Um, so as that goes on, when Taiwan falls, that in and of itself will crush worldwide shipping and logistical supply chains. A number of the world's shipping lanes go through that area, um, and a number of them are actually based out of the Taiwan mainland. And so understanding that that whole Western block of the Pacific Ocean, which is responsible for more than 75% of all global trade, um, is going to sort of be impassable because of what's happening in that area of the world, that's going to be a shock event in and of itself. And I don't think that's months away. I think that's actually weeks away. Um, as it pertains to the dollar and things like that, the United States dollar has already been removed as the world's reserve currency. It's been showing up as a $0 amount in relation to oil, gold, silver, and precious metals since mid-January of this year. Um, and the effects of that are being seen pretty starkly here in America right now. We just had another 50-cent increase in gasoline prices, um, that on top of a 40-cent increase in gasoline prices not three weeks ago. And that sort of uh, trickle up, that hyperinflation is now beginning, and it's starting to really affect things. We're starting to get a lot of small businesses and a lot of medium-sized businesses here in the country that are reducing hours, uh, altering their payrolls, or not payrolls, their employee personnel rosters, altering how they do business just so they can survive. Additionally, um, and I think it was David's Bridal recently put out an email saying that they were going to be laying off more than 80% of their entire uh, workforce in preparation for a mandatory required restructuring to avoid bankruptcy. So as that dollar continues to collapse, 
what is that? What does that really mean? It means that we're bringing down the U.S. financial system. But what does that really mean? Well, it means we're going to bring down the main modality of commerce that we've all conducted around the world for a very long time, meaning your businesses, um, the places that you go and get money out of, the places that you shop with, the places that you interact with on an economic basis. They will all be affected by this. Uh, the United States dollar is one of the biggest cancers in all of the world. And as it comes down, it's going to bring down with it a number of those cancerous arms, right? which will then be ideally repurposed. Now, in relation to the QFS question that you just asked a moment ago, I, I can't really comment a whole lot on the QFS by name, but I can say that it's absolutely real in the sense that we have categorical financial changes happening in the world at large scale. Uh, we have major central banks in Europe, including Deutsche Bank, that are failing, uh, preventing customers from withdrawing their money. We have the United, uh, the United States uh, J.P. Morgan Chase CEO coming out and saying that the banking crisis, this just a few days ago, that the banking crisis is not only not gone, but it's going to get much, much worse. Um, we have the, excuse me, we have the... Um, the Silicon Valley Bank, which that contagion spawned off a number of regional banks around the world. And those reverberations are not done. They're simply reverberating through the worldwide markets. And that does take a little bit of time. Um, but those reverberations will eventually, just like in the sense of a tsunami, will eventually come back to the epicenter and the origin point. And when that happens, we're going to have some serious cacophony. You know, as the U.S. dollar comes down, we have a system that has to come up. We have to have something um, in mind to replace at least the major component parts. I think that's where BRICS comes from. I think that as far as you know, the right. question regarding the QFS, we're already seeing that. We're seeing that in BRICS, right? We have asset-backed currency and trade. We have the entire block of nations discussing the idea of putting together an uncorruptible currency. I've heard that before in different areas as it pertains to the quantum stuff. And on top of that, we have basis in, in law here in the United States to redefine how our national infrastructure works. The Quantum Initiative Act or the Quantum Government Act, I forget the name of it, signed by President Trump in 2018, lit out an entire list of um, uh, infrastructural and, and societal sectors that had to be overhauled and changed um, and encouraged more to a quantum way of life, a quantum way of doing things. And that was back in 2018. Uh, Quantum.gov has been launched and has uh, been very well um, known in the truth community to be connecting individuals with all of the basic research, all of the building blocks, the understanding of how to build this new system. And so, you know, in regards to the QFS and is it real, I don't think it's real by name. I don't think we're going to have some worldwide rollout of some one system that maybe have maybe has decentralized nodes. I think that we're going to have a number of sovereign systems that link together in a decentralized way, which is really how we, the people, want to do things anyway. The Australians want their currency. The United States citizens want their currency. The Libyans want their currency. The French want their franc. Mm -hmm. The UK want, wants their pound, right? Because these are ancestral things. These are rights of the people, not rights of this deep state government. So, um, and in regards to the, the final question you asked about how that affects things and where it looks, I think that it affects things pretty pinched for a very short period of time. We're talking about redefining the entire Bretton Woods Western world. We're talking about collapsing the International Monetary Fund. We're talking about collapsing the World Bank and making these entities and these institutions no more. Um, so as we go through that pinched process, it's worth highlighting that we, the people, have a plan to survive on the other side of this, but these people don't. Okay, Rick, you want to come in on that? Yeah. Excellent. Oh, it's, it's, no, it's fantastic. And it's fun. It's always fun um, jousting with you, SG, because it, it, it puts into context everything we're experiencing here in Oz. And there, I've just been noticing some questions in the in the, the tab about, well, since 
this is going to happen. What's the Australian dollar look like? What does the Australian government look like? What, what are we going to call Australia with this new country? And these are these are seminal questions yep. that we in Australia must consider because our world is about to change in many ways that you cannot even begin to imagine how it's going to look. Everything about this country is going to be different, whether you like it or not. The world has changed. We're not going to go back to a pre-COVID world where things are slightly better because this occurred because the pre-COVID world was bloody awful. As just you said, this has been going on for for, for generations, for, for millennia. And so there is a foundational change. And that's why we've been reminding people to start to understand what it is that we want. What is it that you want as Australians from by whom and how are you governed through to what does your flag look like? Because I can tell you once, once the truth comes out about the British Empire, the British Royal Family and what's been going on, that Union Jack, you won't want it anywhere near you. Nowhere near you. And so we're going to have to start from scratch. Now, let me just let me just put in, I'm going to quote from a, a book I'm reading at the moment, and it's apt. And the reason is to, just to give people heart. It really is. This is an extraordinary uh, biography about John Adams by David McCulloch. Now, John Adams was a, a gentleman slightly higher than five foot tall, and yet he was described as a colossus of independence. This man, even people like Jefferson and others, stood in awe of his capacity in terms of uh, creating the, the Declaration of Independence and, and one of the driving forces behind getting the, uh, the agreement of the 13 colonies. Well, 12 voted for, New, uh, New York delegation abstained, and a couple of Philadelphians just didn't turn up because they wanted a unanimity of, uh, of a vote. And this is all important stuff. But he was the man that really drove behind it. <clears throat> and he made, he wrote an essay. And uh, some of this will mean something to the United States, not so much the Australians. But ladies and gentlemen of Australia, turn off the TV, start reading. You're going to need this. You're going to lead your country. This is the time to do it. But Thomas Paine wrote a, a pamphlet called Common Sense, and it was uh, it took off like wildfire. He used a, the modern vernacular. It went viral. And this pamphlet described the need for independence from Great Britain. Now, he got many things wrong. He had a unilateral, uh, unicameral uh, parliament, and he made some structural er errors. But this is what John Adams wrote in response to that piece, and it is something that everyone listening to this in Australia must understand. It has been the will of heaven that we should be thrown into existence at a period where, when the greatest philosophers and lawgivers of antiquity would have wished to have lived, a period where coincidence of circumstances without example has afforded us an opportunity of beginning government anew from the foundation and building as they choose. How few of the human race have ever had an opportunity of choosing a system of government for themselves and their children. That's where we are. So please, ladies and gentlemen, elevate your thinking above the immediate. And I understand that six inches in front of your face is where we live. I get it. And when you're in a survival situation, that's all that matters. If you haven't got food in the cupboard and water in the taps, then you don't care about the government. You know, a drowning man doesn't care whose hand reaches down to save him. I get it. But you've got to be smarter than that. You've got to have food in the cupboard and water in the tap, and you've also got to start thinking about what you're going to do. And as I said, this is how by whom we're going to be governed. What is our flag going to look like? Why? And these might seem petty issues, but they are hugely emotional. Guarantee you, hugely emotional. So the point here is, ladies and gentlemen, please understand where we are in history. 
Moments like this are rare. They don't happen once in a lifetime. These happen once in thousands of years. And we are being given, we're being gifted an opportunity, despite the pain and darkness which we're about to enter. And if people think that we're currently in darkness, the truth hasn't come out yet. When the truth comes out, it's going to be horrific and shocking. But in the midst of this darkness, every one of us must become the light. A little glimpse of light. Because in and of itself, darkness has no substance. Darkness is simply the lack of light. Every one of you, whether you believe it or not, whether you want to or not, you have the responsibility and the, the capacity to become that light to start leading the rest of the country. Because by, the, by virtue of the fact you're listening to this program means you are well in front of everybody else and they'll be coming to you for advice and assistance. So please understand how important this moment in time is. Start to understand what your responsibilities are. Start to understand that this country is in our hands. And as SG said, the US is not interested in creating the US, the American empire. This will be our country. Now, there's any number of ways that we're going to come out of this. And on one end of the spectrum, we might have the Governor General appointing an executive council. And we push through and in cooperation with the good people overseas, reestablish a world system that is good for people. On the other hand, the truth might come out that Donald J. Trump is actually the owner of Australia because the corporation <laughs> went bankrupt. He took control of the larger corporation and he owns the world, the richest man in history. That'll be the title of the book they write about him one day but not because he wants to keep it. Because we know that we will be given our country back, but we must be worthy of it. We must step up and, and, and build this structure ourselves. So whether Hurley appoints an executive council or Trump appoints a governor and says, right, you're the 51st state, you now are under US law. You've got a set number of years to get your house in order. We'll help. And then you've got to take over. And this goes back to, again, our flag, the name of our country, our currency, the lot. That's up to us, ladies and gentlemen. We have to rebuild. And this is a unique moment in thousands of years. So be grateful for it. It is the best of times. It is the worst of times. As Charles Dickens said in his book, The Tale of Two Cities, read, study, learn, and get ready to pick up a weight you never imagined. You never imagined you'd be able to, but you will. That is the awakening. That is the journey that we're on. We are remarkably powerful spiritual beings. We are not worker bees who go home and watch television and have a cup of tea and go to bed. We are incredible, accomplished beings. Um, a good example of this, if you look, if you really want some clinical proof of that, just go look up a guy called Wim Hof. Wim Hof mm. uh, pioneers yeah. some breathing techniques and is able to do what we would consider to be oh, almost yeah. superhuman things. Yeah. Um, we're connected to unbelievable power. And as it pertains to what you know, Mr. Bozzi was just saying a moment ago about how things geopolitically line out at this, you know, I, I don't really have a, a comment to say that it's definitely going to happen one way or the other, but I have a comment to say that whatever happens, it will be, it will enforce common law. It will enforce natural law. And I think that a likely path that we see, and this is just speculation, but a likely path we see is that the entire world is put into provisional military alliance control for a very short period of time. Common law is instituted, military justice is carried out, and that may take, you know, and I say short period of time, meaning let's say six months, right? It doesn't have to be a day or two or a week. A short period of time generationally is a period of years, right? So yeah. for a short period of time, I think that we see a complete revamp and a drop of what we understand to be the law 
that all of us live under both in our countries and our nation states and with our international relations. It's, it, I think it will be replaced by a focus on the natural and common law between, you know, man and God. Uh, constitutional laws, what we call it here in the United States, you can call it whatever you like. And each individual nation moving forward will be given the opportunity to self-govern and self-regulate, but it must be in compliance with the natural law. That's the only way we move forward. We have to be decent to one another again. We have to understand that if we aren't treating our fellow man with the sort of auspices that our God would treat the, our fellow man, that we are sort of out of line in a way. Um, and the United States is perhaps the most guilty of that than any other nation in the world except London. Um, and I say London separately from Great Britain on purpose. Um, so understanding that, you know, this could play out a number of different ways. We could have an, um, an um, grandfathering or an umbrella into U.S. law and management. We could have a multipolar alliance instituting blanket law across all different areas of the world, uh, sort of how like in occupied Europe, the allied powers had uh, logistical, legal and uh, lawful control for a time of different areas in the in that continent. I think we see that as a possibility playing out at the world scale. Um, but however it ends, however it goes through that period, the end point is that all of us will be given the chance. All of us will have the opportunity to take our nations back and make them what we want them to be. No one can build Australia up better than Australians. No one can build the United States up better than the Americans. No one can build Canada up better than the Canadians. But we have to be worthy of what we're going to be stepping into. This is a period of time to be trained for the Regency because we're taking back the kingship. Hmm. Very well. Yep, nicely, nicely put, SG. That's exactly the point. And this concept of sovereignty <clears throat> is key. What is sovereign? To whom do we owe our fealty? Is a is a the sixty four dollar question. To whom do we owe our fealty? Our allegiance to God. That's it. He's gifted us with the uh, the ability of free will. We have to respect that. But we have to decide for ourselves. We have to step up. We can make the right decision. We can make the wrong decision. We are sovereign, every, every one of us, meaning we are the source of law, not God's law. That's, that's his big, that's his, that's, his, that's his jam. But what is the source of our civic law? There is natural law, as you say, within which we are born. There is a rational and comprehensible system underpinning life on earth. And if we examine that, we draw from that what constitutes natural law, things like the right to self-protection. That is natural law. The animals just don't lie down in front of the lion and say, come and get me. The antelope uses its horns or it runs fast. So we draw our laws from natural law, as you quite rightly said, common law, the history of what we do. But when we come together as a polity, when we decide to come together as a, as a group of individuals, we must decide how we are going to live. Now, this is predicated on what's right and wrong. Now, that sounds like a very simple statement. But what's right and wrong depends upon your God. So we have to have this common, not this common, this agreed morality. What is right and wrong? And I'm not talking any particular religion here, ladies and gentlemen, because you know what? We have drifted so far from morality, we don't even know what right and wrong is anymore. We live in a pre-biblical barbarity called Australia where five of our six states allows full-term abortion at the point of birth and the selling of body parts. So I was told a long time ago by a very, very, very wise man, don't worry about morality, just get them to wake up to what's right and wrong. 
And for, you, for those of you who are wondering why I hammer the full-term abortion issue so often, is to put in your face to make you realise, and the rest of the world is their business, but Australia is ours. What's right and wrong? We need to agree what is right and wrong. We need to agree on morality. And from that foundation, we can start to decide what, as a nation, we, as a political entity, as a grouping of people, where that line between autonomy and the public good lies. We have to do it. And this concept of sovereignty where we as individuals are the source of law. See, the government cannot lie to us. That is ipso facto treason. You cannot lie to the sovereign. And if the people are sovereign, which we are, because we are the source of law because God gave us that role, let's say, then everybody in government that lies to us is going to go to jail. You can't do this. The old, the old world is done. The people of Australia must stand up and take responsibility for their future. Law starts and ends with us. And I'll give you a, a really practical example, which always bugs me. The Supreme Court in the United States or the High Court in Australia are the final, final arbiters. They've been given this job, never intended by the founding fathers, but they've been given this job of being the final arbiters of what's constitutional. They are not the final arbiters. They're just, half, they're, in our case, nine people wearing black, one of whom's a pedophile, that is under the control of other organisations. The final arbiter of constitutionality is the people. You. Whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not, you are the final arbiter. We should never hand that over, and we cannot delegate that to anybody. It's not within our power to delegate our sovereignty. We can hand over certain responsibilities, but every other act is reserved to the people. And so the high courts can have a very different role in the new Australia, and they will take a knee to the people of Australia because the people of Australia, by dint of God's gift, are sovereign. Now... That applies to a Christian country. It doesn't apply to others, but this is a Christian country, both demographically and culturally. And I pray that the rest of the planet finds God, finds Jesus, because I tell you, they're, they're on a hiding to nothing. Having had the privilege of living and working in some of the less salubrious countries around the planet that don't have Christianity as their base, I can tell you it ain't a nice place to be. And it was always good to come back. Because once you've lived there, and, I, and swinging through some airport on the way to somewhere else doesn't constitute knowing what this country is like. You've got to live and work there amongst the people and find out what life is like. We in Australia have this extraordinary gift. We have everything we need, except for one thing, and that's the people to stand up and provide the leadership they need to provide to their families, to their communities, to their states, and to their, to their country. You know, my comment on all of that is really sort of just a reiteration of what you gentlemen are talking about. It is good for the human being to strive to be better. God knows that. God knew that. We're made that way. We constantly want to improve. We have an endless source of desire that flows to us through that spirit that sustains us, where we pick and sift and sort and choose, and we get to decide what changes we implement in the world. No other life form in this realm can do that. There is no other animal life that gets to sift, excuse me, sift and sort and select its environment. And, and sort of kind of a truism off of that is when we look at the animal kingdom, if we will, we are the only creatures who are fundamentally out of place when we're in an environment because we have the capability to change ours to what we wish it to be. We're supposed to be able to do that worldwide. And so, you know, highlighting the whole morality and things like that and the dogma and all of that, right? They, they used everything. They used anything and everything to get us to divide. They used everything to put up a boundary line, everything to confuse us. 
They got into our religion. They got into our textbooks. They got into our academia. They got into our scriptural uh, publications. They got into our news sources. They got into our information. They got into our belief structures. They built societal systems that compelled us in a way of thinking and behavior that created more of the same, right? No more. We have the ability to go forward and choose, and this is the time, and I think this is the year where humanity is beginning to understand, wait a minute, if we don't choose as part of this military-civilian alliance, then this plan won't work. So people are getting involved, and they're coming forward, and they're taking those hard steps, and they're doing the right things because it is the right thing, and that's what we have to do. Fight the government or become the government, ladies and gentlemen. That's it. Now, you can join A1 or not. I don't much care. In fact, some of you, you know, won't make the cut because it's a pretty tough organisation to get into. But fight the government, become the government. You've got to stop whinging. You are the government. You are your authority. Now, I understand that this is a concern. But here's the other one that everyone says. But what can I do? I'm just one person, said 25.69 million Australians. Ladies and gentlemen, I understand that many of you just don't know. You want to, but you just don't know. You've never crossed that invisible line. Wolfgang Goethe spoke about this invisible line. When you cross it, the world will step aside for you. It happens every time. You must step forward. Sitting behind a screen requires no courage. And I'm going to keep quoting antiquity and philosophers because this is the level at which you will begin to understand where your power lies. You need the language. You need the concepts in your head to understand this. Socrates said that the first virtue demanded of leadership is courage. Why? Because without courage, nothing else happens. You've got to start stepping up. Dave's done it. SG Zanon's done it. Face the fire. Walk into the fire. Do what you've never done before. And I put this to the people the other day. When was the last time you did something for the first time? Have a think about it. When was the last time you did something for the first time? And that's a question I ask my leadership when I do my leadership seminars. And most people, I say, look, just be honest. And if, if you can't remember, say, I can't remember. And 90% of the people say, I can't remember. And I say, thank you for your honesty. Whatever you've been doing today hasn't worked. Do something else. You've got to step up, folks. It's, and it's not A1 and it's not Dave's rally. And that's not the point. This is the people's rally. Turn up. Make a banner. I mean, if you've never put up a banner before, make a banner and hold it up proud. Because most people just turn up and hide in the crowd. And do us a favour, don't bring the national flags of other countries, for Christ's sake. Seriously. This is our country. This is our home. This is not an investment opportunity. It's not a fucking tourist destination. How can we as a people come together as a people if we can't even agree which flag are we going to stand under? Mm. It's not a small deal, folks. It's a very, very big deal. We must come together. You must start to become something more than you've ever become before because it's demanded of you. And at the risk of putting a finger in your face, ladies and gentlemen, you have to. You've got to step up. You've got to do something you've never done before. You've got to become you've never, someone you've never been before. You do it for yourself. You do it for your kids. You do it for your grandkids. That's the way we win this. How can we do it? We stop giving them our consent. A few years back, I was standing in front of 200,000 people in Sydney at a rally. And I said, the moment we withdraw our consent, we win. And everybody cheered and nothing happened because everyone is waiting for somebody else to do it until you decide. And I'm not talking to the person next to you. I'm talking to you until you decide to do something different, until you decide to turn up in numbers, until you decide that you want your country back. 
nothing will happen. Now, we know there are some good people on the outside carrying M4s and a few other bits and pieces that are going to clean up the way for us. It's not our job to storm Parliament House. I've said this 100,000 times. It's our job to, to move the people from where we are to where we need to be. But they need to know you're there. They need to know that you know what you're talking about and you can help them. So, ladies and gentlemen, 20th of May, wherever the hell you are, get there, make a, make a banner for yourself, and you'll find how hard it is to make a banner and stand there and hold the bloody thing up. You must be out there. You must be willing to say your piece publicly, regardless of the feedback you get. That's when you know you've started to fight. That's when you know you're starting to have a difference. Ladies and gentlemen, this is in your hands. We're doing it all we can. The White Hats will be doing what they can. You've got to be ready for what comes next. Too right. All right. We'll bring in a couple of questions. Foreign military arrived in Australia. Now, we've had word of thousands of troops turned up here, um, SG. And are they for or against us? Opinion, please. Um, I have read it in the news. I am concerned. Foreign military is absolutely in Australia as well as in most of the rest of the world. And they're primarily for we the people. Um, these militaries are carrying out um, essentially joint operations with one another. And what better way to share information, strategic planning, operational design, targeting, etc., just general military communications than being on the ground working with one another. And so those, those are happening in both Australia and New Zealand and in most of the rest of the world right now. It's my understanding that especially here in, in the United States and the Canada region, um, in the South, uh, Southwest Pacific, Australia, Indonesia, uh, New Zealand and a couple other areas, that's probably going to get more visual, more visibly apparent because we have some really dark cesspools that need some cleaning out. And we've done as much as we can, I think, to this point, keeping things nice and quiet, making sure that these people have no clue that we're coming. But we're getting to the point now where it's going to be impossible to prevent them from knowing fully uh, simply because we're moving resources, we're getting things relocated, we're taking people prisoner, we're getting justice lined out and prepared. And, I'm, and I'll defer to Mr. Bosey on the rest of this, but it's my opinion that these uh, militaries that are in these joint nations are primarily for we the people and are the enemy of the deep state governments. Yeah, I can, yeah um, I'm in alignment with that exactly. And in fact, just to add an extra level of understanding in terms of how important this is and how powerful the group is, in the United States, only the president can um, deploy the National Guards, which are state-based military organizations because the colonies had, were responsible for their own defense. And the National Guard is a, an historical anachronism where they are state-based forces. But only the president can nationalize them and deploy them overseas. And I don't know if you remember some long time ago, I gave a shout-out to the... Now, which... Tallahassee. 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 I gave a shout-out to the Tallahassee National Guard talking about days of summer and the, the feel that sunshine on your back, fellas. Well, that was a, a little message to say there's a National Guard organization, that's this, this is just one of many, that's not in the U.S. So the National Guard can't leave U.S. continental U.S. without the presidential say-so. Well, this group was, let's say, well away from anything to do with uh, U.S. territory, and they are due north of us. And so the Tallahassee National Guard, we give them a bit, bit of a shout-out to let people know that, yeah, things are happening. And so there are foreign forces in Australia, and that's the one of interest to us. And as SG said, they are on our side, and they are doing good and dangerous and extremely soul-wrenching work, some of whom will never quite recover from what they've seen and done. Uh, so pray for them. And as I've said once before, be grateful. Be prepared to say thank you, because we will owe the United States, and I've said this before, I'm going to say it again, ladies and gentlemen, 
whatever happens in the near future in relation to the US, we owe them a debt of gratitude we will never be able to repay. But it is one we will always remember. And we are going to have a national day to thank the global forces, the US particularly for their leadership, for saving the planet. And when the truth comes out, you'll understand why there is a deep degree of reverence in my voice when I say this. We owe them everything. Okay, thank you. G'day, guys. My question is, why has all government... Oh, is why has all governments agreed on the Antarctic Treaty? Um, Antarctica Treaty. Uh, when will the world know about the true size shape of the world? Thank you. This is a good one for you, SG, isn't it? Uh, yeah, let, let's go. Always <laughs> <laughs> a joy. Um, you know, Miss Marshall is very intelligent, right? Because she sort of answered her own question there. When will the world know about the true size and shape? That is why we had agreement on the Antarctic Treaty when we can't even agree what shoes we're going to sell domestically in any given country. Um, you know, it's worth highlighting that that particular level of disclosure and awakening is going to fly in the face of pretty much everything that modern humanity understands to be true, right? Um, we have we have even uh, um, fairly remote sections in uh, the Sub-Saharan African continent and in South America and other areas of the world that believe that the world is a spinning ball flying through space at 1,400 miles per hour. This is one of the greatest deceptions uh, maybe ever committed on uh, humanity, even over and above the COVID crime. Now, how, how long will it take or when will the world know? I don't think that we see this come from official accounts for quite a while, personally. I think this is going to be a more open source discovery um, from we the people and then corroborated through academia, corroborated through independent uh, observation or what people will say is independent observation. Um, and we're simply going to transition to a new understanding of our, of our life and, and how our world works and what our world really is. Um, but in regards to the just the questions here, the, the reason that the Antarctic Treaty was agreed upon was because of the shape of the Earth and what they have been doing down there for a very long time. The Antarctic Ring houses access points to other realms in this, in this Earth plane that we have, which would be where we would call uh, extraterrestrials from, right, or other sentient beings. We're not the only sentient creatures that have ever been created. The God of all things is not a God of limits, Um we can't sort of put that in a box and assume that we are the end all with that. We have to appreciate that, um, that, that, that deity, um, I shouldn't call it deity, that divinity seeks to glorify itself in all things. Right. So understanding that, and then understanding on top of that, that we have some of the most dangerous military experiments, some of the most wild research experiments happening on the Antarctic ring all around our realm, uh, pretty much constantly. And that's really where a large portion of the U S a DOD black budget actually ends up. Uh, that would be why, that's the short answer to why uh, everyone agreed on this treaty banning even private self-funded travel to the Antarctic shelf. There's simply too much there that they cannot let us find out. It would make your head explode. So could you ask SG knows about Mike Gill, please, regarding deep state money laundering? I have seen some very fascinating information on this, and this is actually the active primary topic that I'm researching right now. So I don't want to comment out of turn, but we have a very compelling case for, you know, a web within a web within a web, right? And that's sort of how they work. The Panama Papers tying to something else, the, um, I think it was Monsec Fonseca or something like that, um, tying to different areas, FTX, and how that money laundering has uh, tied back into things. So, you know, Mr. Gill's work is very fascinating. I encourage everyone listening right now to go and look that up. There's a couple of videos you can find on Rumble. That's where I started. I'm trying to corroborate some of the info um, with with some research of my own. 
but I think that there's going to be some really interesting um, nuggets of information to come from that. Um, if we are close to the end, can we be confident that these will not come to fruition, Rick? Oh, I think they'll keep pushing. Without a doubt, they'll keep pushing to see what they do. Now, you've got to understand, just step back a bit and get the, the sort of the, the 30,000-foot view of the general and the command and control aircraft. A lot of this nonsense works in the UK. It works in Europe because 20 minutes away, you will have a brand-new city. So if, you, uh, if you've travelled to Europe, you'll be surprised at the proximity of all these little townships. Uh, you can literally, is a separate town with a separate... History, they're all on hills because they're medieval and, and the high ground was made it easy to defend against the local uh, township next door. So a 20-minute city conceptually to them sort of makes sense. It's completely, it's complete rubbish. We understand that, but it sort of makes sense. But in Oz, it makes no sense at all because we travel big distances. I remember when I first went to Italy to visit the relatives uh, over there and... Uh, they had no concept of the size of the country. And I said, oh, well, you know, the rest of our family lives in Melbourne and we live in Sydney. And they said, how far is that? So I said, it's about a thousand k's. We'll drive down to Melbourne and spend a, you know, a week or two with the relatives. Now, that's the length of Italy. I mean, they won't go 20 minutes to the next town because everything they need is in their little village. It doesn't work here. It's just nonsense. But they're, they're superimposing this ridiculous concept on a country which has a, a population dispersed over a massive area. It doesn't make sense. It's like the... Uh, it's like the, uh, what is it, the the emergency broadcast system. You've got three hours to get home. And I can imagine the truckie saying, piss off, Noddy, I'm 12 hours from home. What are you talking about? I'm halfway across the Nullarbor. And so even, and this has been, sorry, if I bang on about it, it's because this has been happening for years. You know, Gillard would go overseas when she was prime minister and come back and say, oh, we're going to be doing this in Australia. It had no relevance here. It was just ridiculous nonsense. Now, back to the practicalities of it, a 20-minute city it's so flawed. It's like a child's view. Some kindergarten kid with a crayon came up with this and they put it in the World Economic Forum playbook. But in Oz, they'll try to do it. And what they're doing is all they want to do is lock us down. But it will be less successful than over there because over there they can sort of get away with that because they live and work in proximity. Here we don't. Is it going to be pushed ahead? I think the world will stop before they advance it too far. Will they put the infrastructure in? You bet you they will, just like the 5G towers. They've been putting the 5G towers in. They've been putting the facial recognition cameras in for years. This is during the lockdown. We know that. The stuff was flown in from China into Victoria during the lockdown, and Comrade Dan was out there meeting the aircraft, meeting his paymasters. Come and sue me, Dan. Go on, please. Just please give sue me. I'd love you to try. So this is a, a roundabout way of saying they are pushing this the white hats are letting the black hats move forward in the sense that they are showing us what was intended for us. Will some infrastructure go up? Will the police put some barricades up around certain places? I don't doubt that'll happen. But will they be fully rolled out across the entire country? Absolutely not. It won't happen. It can't. And again, just, just to, to reinforce this, we were, and I've said this before, but I'll say it again so people understand. There was concerns that a hotel in Brisbane, uh, an entire hotel was, was booked out and they thought the military was going to come in and go door to door and arrest everybody in Brisbane that wasn't doing the right thing. Well, the thousand, that hotel could accommodate a thousand people. And I said, a thousand people, what's that? That's a, a battalion battle group. Now, cities eat soldiers. It is such a complex terrain, multi-level buildings, 
consume. It takes a lot of soldiers to do that. And you can't put a thousand soldiers into a city and expect them to control it. Because all you need is a thousand blokes to turn up and go, no, you don't. <laughs> and they're done. They are done. That's the point. The moment thousands turn up, they lose. They put a 15 minute city in and the local community gets together and 10,000 of them wander in and just walk. There's nothing the cops can do. Now, if you watch and the moment they open fire, if they did, Worst mistake they could make. But what they'll do is they'll get the crowd moving and they'll get some kid with long hair and um, and uh, and a sign waving at, at the front and waving them and they will lead the crowd off track. That's that's one of the tactics the cops use for a non-violent response to a large crowd of people. So just ignore those people and do what you want. But the moment this happens, get out in numbers. If we have a rally... And again, at the risk of repeating myself for the old A1, people have heard this 100,000 times. If we have a rally and 1,000 people, people turn up, we've got a problem because that's not enough. If 10,000 turn up, now the cops have got a problem because that's a harder crowd to control. If 100,000 turn up, the pollies have got a problem because now they're, they're losing it. But if a million turn up, we win. That's why Canberra was so important. And I believe that's why the lockdowns that they were planning for last year didn't occur because they saw what happened by the Australian Federal Police's, and I'm giving you this long answer to give you some context about what looks like a small problem with the five, the 15-minute city. The, the Australian Federal Police themselves announced, despite the fact that the ABC, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, or the Australian Bolshevik Collective, said that 10,000 people turned up to the protest, 10,000. The Australian Federal Police themselves said in that first weekend, 1.4 million additional cars entered the Australian Capital Territory. 1.4 million cars. Now, even conservatively... That's got to be 2 million plus. That has never happened in Australian history. Over all the protests we've had, wars and pay rises and unions and you name it, over 2 million people turned up to camera. They came from all around the country, from Darwin in the Northern Territory, from Perth in Western Australia. They came from everywhere and they stayed for as long as they could. I believe that was the reason why the lockdowns didn't happen the second half of last year because that's what they were planning without a shadow of a doubt. They are terrified of numbers. We've got this, not we, there is a worldwide rally on the 20th. Millions, turn up in your millions. And it will terrify them because the moment a million people turn up, it doesn't matter. And look, I'm happy to stand at the front and get the first shot. Not a problem. I've heard rounds whistle past me before. It ain't no big deal, guys. Just stand there and get ready to take the hit. And I'm going to quote my favorite American philosopher. And those of you who know me know what I'm about to say. It ain't hard about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward, how much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, that's a movie, but it is so true. Turn up in your millions around Australia on the 20th, and don't worry about following anybody. Be there for you. Be there for your family. And don't worry about the, 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 the talking heads that are allegedly the leaders of this movement. You are the leaders of this movement, every one of you. Make a banner, stand up, stand there with your kids. Nobody gave me permission to stand up. Nobody gave Dave Graham permission. We just stood up. You can do the same. So, folks, the 15-minute cities, what's the answer? Big numbers. Big, big, big numbers. Get out and letterbox drops. That's why A1 does a lot of letterbox dropping, letting people know what's going on. Now, if you don't like what's going on, you, who's, you don't ask to ask permission. 
go down to the local library, photocopy a, a handout and go letterbox drop and say they want 15-minute cities. We're meeting down at the local park at 12 o'clock on Saturday. Come down and just stand with us in the park. Do it. Go first. Be a leader. Have courage. You'll make it. So stop reacting to them. Take control. Flood the street. We don't need to tear stuff up. We just turn up in big numbers. I can promise you that Masonic filth sergeant at the local police station will sit there terrified and not come out. Guarantee you, they will not come out. And if they bring the black cars and the black coppers, once again, did you see what the Melburnians did to them? They chased them out of the CBD. They chased the heavy, heavily armed Masonic filth cops out of the CBD. That's what people power is. There's no violence right. on our part. Only on this. All right, SJ. Well, with regard to, and, and that was a very well said, by the way, with regard to the 15, 20 minute cities, things like this, I think that you know, we're all seeing different aspects of their agenda being allowed to play out because they know um, that their time is short, right? Everything is being rushed. They're sort of stuck in a feedback loop. They can't get out of it. Um, we have continuity of government initiated in different areas of the world, right, that are allowing some of this, but have stopped significant extinction-level events, significant mass casualty events from occurring. So I think just as the CBDCs here in the United States of America, central bank digital currency, uh, my research suggests that that particular topic, at least here in the States, is likely to go ahead and get rolled out in some form or fashion because it provides us the opportunity to allow our enemies to build their entire fort before we go inside and then just dethrone them and take it over. Why would we destroy it and then go in and destroy them and have to rebuild all of it once again separately when we could simply allow them to build us the infrastructure that we need to transition, go in there in a special warfare situation or in a special, uh, I think people have called it the trump card situation at different points, and just completely um, unhand them of it. I think that we see similar things happening with the 15-minute cities, the ESG, the climate change, all these ridiculous social pushes that they're pushing. And these are events that aren't necessarily uh, mass casualty causing, right? These are, these are events that aren't um, causing an imminent threat or an imminent danger to life and limb. So there is benefit in allowing some of this to play out to get some people to wake the heck up. Like Mr. Bosey was just talking about distancing, right? Here in the United States where I'm at, I'm, I'm in um, one of the states just east of the Mississippi River. And so the nearest city to me, township-wise, and I say city being over 50,000 people, is 60 miles away. The nearest large city here to where I'm at is about 110 miles. So if we were talking about 15 to 20 minute cities, you would have to be driving 200 miles an hour to get from where I'm at to the next largest city in 20 to 30 minutes, <laughs> which isn't simply isn't going to happen right now, right? Maybe with maglev technology later on. But there are significant swaths of the population, both in the United States and in other countries around the world, and I'm certain Australia is no different, that they're not located within a reasonable distance of any major urban or metro area. They are a rural area primarily. They have uh, those rural area principles and values, that self-determination, that ethos of independence and sort of pioneering it on your own. And so because of that spirit, this, this is going to be something that simply cannot be rolled out long-term sustainably. Um, and, and, you know, Mr. Bosey covered all of the reasons really for that very, very well. I, I hate to just reiterate over top of that. But it's not feasible. It's not logistically possible. But it has a great effect in the narrative space of getting individuals who are on the fence to get off the fence. You know where we are on a on a spiritual basis, and and when you put the two together, you understand that we're in a fight for our lives, guys. And the decision is yours. 
So, Rick, I'll let you guys finish it up. Um, thanks again, SG. Um, absolute pleasure to have you on here, bro. We love you. And, um, yeah, God bless you and your family. Thank you very much, yeah, my friend. You. I'm really glad to be here and honored about it. And uh, we'll all get together over some really good drinks at some point, right? <laughs> we yeah, shall. No, all right, I'll let Rick close it up. I'd like to reiterate, uh, thanks so much, SG. Uh, your words mean so much to so many people here in Oz. And it'll let the white hats know we're ready to go. We're ready to take control of our future, take control of our destiny. This moment will never come again, not in a thousand lifetimes. So we'll see you there on the 20th, wherever you are. And thanks very much, Dave, for hosting this. It's been a great show. Okay, thanks again, SG. Thanks, Rick. Thank you all. Thanks, Have mate. a great day. You've been listening to Radio 5G, a production of CosmicReality.com. Thank you for listening.